But we're going to talk about simply being obedient to God. Disobedience is sin. If the Holy Spirit tells you now, which the Bible may not tell a brother Eddie to get up and, and shout to God and to give a testimony, if he doesn't do that, then he has disobeyed God. Does that make sense? And that, by the way, is sin. And we're going to talk about a fellow this morning who had a good life. He had a lot going on in his life, and he started out wonderful and ended up awful. And it's about obeying God, and it just leads from one thing to see sin breeds sin. You let it have a hold, and you don't take care of it. And you can pray all you want, but you've got to have a want to to get rid of it. You've got to have a want to to be an overcomer. And sometimes you've got to pray and fast and say, God, in myself, I'm not there. You've got to help me get there because I know what your word says, and I need to be there, but you've got to help me get there. Does that make sense? I see everybody's wheels are turning. We have stuff that we deal with and stuff that we know the Holy Ghost is showing us. We know the Word of God is showing us, and yet we can't seem to be an overcomer. And that's whenever we got to get down serious with God and say, I can't get there on my own. He's our everything. He has all the answers, and he can get us where we need to go. And we're going to talk about obedience and disobedience. And obedience is directly linked to faith without which it's impossible to please God. Remember we talked, I think it was last week, about pleasing God. You want to please God, be obedient to God. Pretty simple, isn't it? Find that in Hebrews 11 and 6. But obedient, it pleases God, and it opens doors to blessings. On the other hand, disobedience is sin, and it leads to destruction, friends. I've known some people since I've been a Christian, actually since I've been a pastor, and seen their lives just because of one little simple act of obedience, one simple act of being humble and being humbled by God, and watch them and watch their families get turned upside down. Do you understand what I'm talking about? They used to be around us and they ain't with us anymore. Why? Because they would not submit to God. And the next level was God pointed out something to them, Maybe he used one of you, maybe he used me, I don't know, maybe he used someone else, and you just watched it, it was a domino effect. And until you go back and fix the place where you get off track, it's no good. You come to church and wash feet, and, and, and you can eat a whole loaf of bread if you want, but it doesn't mean anything. You're going through an act, and God says, look, you've got to back up, because I'm not walking over there, I'm over here. You got off of the track and went over here and walked, and I'm beside you, but you're not walking with me. You understand what I'm talking about this morning? And so we're going to talk about a foolish life, the foolish life. In 1 Samuel 26 and 21, then, then Saul said, I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will harm you no more because my life was precious in your eyes this day. You, David could have killed him. They were in a cave. And he could have killed him. He said, indeed, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. This is King Saul we're talking about. No man ever had a better start than King Saul, and nobody ever had a sadder finish than King Saul. 
And I want us to get that inside of us today. Don't think it can't happen to me, friend. It can happen to me and it can happen to you. You ain't done walking yet. You ain't done going through this life yet. And therefore, we have got to let this lesson come true and ring true to us. Because we can get off track. And it's a foolish lie. You see, when we first meet Saul in Scripture, he's handsome, he's winsome, he's courteous, he's thoughtful, he's humble, he's young, he seems to have it all. But yet when he becomes an old man, he's bitter, he's murderous, he's envious, he's wicked, and he's desperate. He's a mean old man. Have you ever seen somebody like that? There's been people in churches before. They'll get mad because you sit in the seat they've been sitting in for 35 years. Friend, if that's you, get off of that train because that's a bad train. There are no assigned seats in church. If we had till 2 o'clock today, I'd tell everybody to get up and swap spots. Get out of your comfort zone. Huh. That sounds like a good idea, don't it? Let's do that. Don't sit where you sit and move. Don't sit where you sit and move. We get done a lot quicker the sooner you get this done. Change your spot. Change your place. It's a good seat. Yeah, some of you, like Sister Murphy, say, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. <laughs> some are wandering around like where we can go. Folks, we got plenty of seats. You don't have to move far to change your spot. <laughs> you can come home with me if you feed me. You see, the life of Saul, folks, it scares me as an individual. And it also challenges me every day. Every day it challenges me. And this is supposed to be to challenge each of you too. That's what we need to do. And it can happen to us. You see, fools are not born, folks. They're made. And generally, they're self-made. Did that sink in? You see, Saul had a great deal of opportunity. No man ever had a better start than him. He had a lot going for him. Let's go to 1 Samuel 9 and 1. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abiel, the son of Zeor, the son of Becherath, and I hope I didn't butcher them too bad, the son of Ephiah, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power, in verse 2. And he had a choice, and he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. And there was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. For his shoulders, from his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. You see, this is the Bible. This is God talking about Saul. He's a good guy. He's handsome. He's tall. He's got it happening. He fits in. It, he's got the looks. If he lived today, he would be the next star, the next person that people really looked up to. That's who he was. That's what he was about. And this is God talking about him. And he was quite modest in verse 15. 
Now the Lord had told Samuel in his ear the day before Saul came, saying, Tomorrow about this time I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin, and you shall anoint him commander over my people Israel, that he may save my people from the hand of the Philistines. For I have looked upon my people because of their cry has come to me. So when Saul, Samuel saw Saul, 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 was that the Bible? Yeah, when Samuel saw Saul, Saul, S-A-W, Saul, S-A-U-L, when Samuel saw Saul, he said to him, there he is, the man whom I spoke of you. This is what God was saying to Samuel. The one, this one shall reign over my people. And Saul answered and said, I am not a Benjamite of the small... Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of tribes of Israel, and my family the least of all the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? You see, what he's saying is, I ain't worthy to be king. You know, I don't come from the good stock. You see, we look at that, don't we, sometimes. He said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like that. that. That's not who I am. I don't even have the ability to be king. Why are you saying that I'm going to be? This, this is a humble guy. You see that, right? He, he didn't have TV ads and posters out saying, vote Saul for king. He didn't want, he didn't feel that he could handle the job. He didn't, it's not me, you must be have the wrong guy. You, you got to get this other fella. But he also, he had a good spirit about him. In 1 Samuel 10 and 26, and Saul went, and, and Saul also went home to Gibeah, a valiant and valiant men went with him whose hearts God had touched. Now what it's saying there is he had a following. And God was the one that appointed that. Does that make sense? Let's make a picture here to help it out. This fellow right here was here for 44 years as pastor. He's still hanging around. He's still doing. He's still pastoring. Whether you want to or not, it ain't over. I think it's about all of y'all except for a few. Y'all are direct from his ministry. All, about all of you are. Not all of you. Some of you's come in since I've been here. but And that's okay. There ain't no competition. This is God's program. But you're here, whether you came in under him or under, under me as pastor, you're here because this is where God put you. You understand that, right? It wasn't some fluke thing that just happened. You're here because this is where God said, man, I'll tell you, this is weird looking at y'all in different spots. <laughs> yeah, I asked for it, didn't I, John? So God gave him a following. These guys were said, okay, you've made him the leader, and we're going to follow. That, that's, that's what that's saying. He gave him men, and he touched their hearts. They were willing to forgive him. They were willing to follow him. And folks, in fact, we're going to find out later on, these people was willing to die for him. Because God had put something inside their hearts. Where was I? But some rebels, in verse 27, said, How can this man save us? So they despised him and brought him no presents. But look at this. But he held his peace. Now, we're, we're making out who Saul is. We're making out just exactly who this fellow is. In, in, in chapter 11 and verse 12, Then the people said to Samuel, 
Who is he who said, shall Saul reign over us? Bring them in that we may put them to death. But Saul said, no man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. You see, he was a man who held these people's lives in his hands. If he said, kill them, they'd have been dead. But he was acting and acting like God, and these people, they mocked him. They had ridiculed them. They had despised him. But Saul didn't seek vengeance. Friend, if you got vengeance sitting in your heart today, that's not the thing that God wants us to have. And that's, the pla- that's where the start of destruction starts happening. Is in those places. As a matter of fact, his strength was actually shown in his kindness to his enemies. Remember, Jesus was on the cross, right? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. Those weren't just words to put in the Bible. He meant it. The very people who drove nails into his hands, he's begging for their forgiveness. Now, folks, when Jesus gets in you, that's the kind of stuff that comes out. That's what we're going for. That's where we're headed to. But let's look in verse 1 of of, of chapter 10. We're going to back up a little bit. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? Then the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. You see, friends, when you get saved and and Jesus comes into your heart, you get turned into a different man. You're a different person than you used to was. And the rest of your days, he's going to continue to do this. See, you've got two choices whenever you say, Jesus, come into my heart. Number one, I'm going to follow you, or I ain't following you. If you don't ask him into your heart, you've already decided you ain't following. That's, that's the whole point here. But, that, but that's where he's at. And he said in verse 7, And let it be when these signs come to you, that you do as the occasion demands. <clears throat> now get a load of this. I want every one of y'all to get this in your spirit this morning. You're a believer in Jesus. You've been a follower. I don't care what's going on in your life right now. Maybe you're low. Maybe you're high. doesn't matter. For God is with you. Every one of you. God is with you. See, we, we don't, he didn't just have it good, we got it good too. All the creditors knocking at the door, we lost our job, this is going on, that's going on, cancer's going on, but God is with you. Hang on to God because you got nobody else to hang on to. There's another one who wants to take his place and he will lead you straight in to the pit of hell. And we can't allow that to happen. God is with you. He ain't leading you to that place. You see, Saul had a wonderful spirit. Men who God had gave him, they were his faithful followers. He had Samuel the prophet to lead him. Think about that. Saul, God wants you to do this. He didn't have to think about it, okay? Saul, God don't want you to do this. He didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to look in the Bible and pick up 25 different commentaries to see if it was okay. This is what God wants. Wouldn't it be great if you had that? Wouldn't you like to have a Samuel walking around with you all day long? God wants you to go over here, but I need to, but God wants you to, okay. Let me tell you something you do. It's called the Holy Ghost. 
Do you believe in him? Do you believe that he's real? You got him. He will lead you. He will lead you. And he ain't going to places we ain't supposed to go. And he'll let us know, you ain't supposed to go there, and I'm not going with you. You see, wouldn't you like to have a personal prophet? You sure would. This guy, he had it all. He had the looks. God had anointed him. He didn't want it. He's hiding back in the crowd. He don't want to get seen. All this is going on, but God pulls him out. He anoints him as king. He had it all, man. You ever seen somebody that you think, boy, they just got it all. Everything's going great for them. This guy had it better than anybody. And then he blew it. And this is where we want to get to learning today. Friend, wherever you're sitting today, don't, un don't, 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 don't lose sight of this. You ain't done yet. You could blow it. And that's the thing that scares me. That's the thing that I want to keep going right. Let's look at what happened to him. His self-destruction. This is the foolish life that we're talking about. Saul went from hero to zero. In the end of his life, he said, I have played the fool and erred exceedingly. You see, he went down a road of self-destruction. He had God on his side. God was with him. So for you and me, how much more should we not be warned? You're dealing with something in your life today. Handle it right. It's all right here. It's all right here. Handle it right. That's the instruction manual to keep you from self-destruction. GPS. God positioned satellite. I don't know. Let's look at his self-determination. I'm going to read a lot right here, so just hang with me, okay? 1 Samuel 13 and 5, And then the Philistines gathered together, to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 1,000 horsemen and people, as the sand of which the, was on the seashore and multiple. And they came up and encamped at Michmash to the east of Beth-Avon. And, and when the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for those were the distressed. You ever been distressed before in your life? Walking with Jesus, you ever been distressed? These people were distressed. And then the people hid in caves and in thickets and rocks and holes and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still at Gilgal. And all the people followed him, trembling. And then Saul waited seven days according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offering here to me. And he offered the, the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished pre presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, what have you done? What? I thought I was doing right. Ah, boy, I tell you what, I can testify to that. I thought I was doing right. But the prophet, the one that God sent to him said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines are now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. Now, he did a religious thing, didn't he? Most of us say, oh, I did the religious thing. I did right. I felt compelled. I felt compelled. 
And Samuel said to him, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be commander over the people, because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Now it seemed like he was doing a religious act, didn't it? It seemed like that he was on. He was told to wait for seven days at Gilgal for Samuel. Folks, it was a test. That's all it was. It was a test. Have you ever been tested? It was a test. And because nothing was out of control. Remember, God's in control, right? Amen? We got nothing to worry about. God is in control. Ain't nothing going to happen tomorrow if it gets here that God don't already know is coming and he has given us what we need to have to get through it. Nothing is out of control. It was a test that he was put into and Saul failed that test. You see, he had violated what was set aside only for the priest. It was the priest's job and his alone to offer the sacrifice. And you see, when he did that, he showed his lack of trust and faith in God. He saw the armies. He saw what was going on. And the thing was, was he was just running ahead of God. Have you ever done that? You ever run ahead of God? Boy, I have. And y'all paid for a lot of it too. And I want us to keep that in our minds. He was running ahead of God. He couldn't wait on God. And Samuel said, you know what? You've been foolish. And folks, that's where the beginning of his end started. That was phase number one. Of he had it all. He was walking with God. Things was looking good. And he did something so simple as a religious act at the wrong time, the wrong way, and it wasn't his job to do. Can I tell you something, brothers and sisters? It's not yours or my job to be God. Look around you, you got a bunch of broken people in here, they're going to do some wrong things, they're going to hurt your feelings, they're going to do all these things, but it is not your job and it's not my job to play God. Because then you get ahead of God, because God says, I've got another plan. I'm going to work this out. And that was the beginning of his end. And he used scripture, you know, he used scripture kind of like we do sometimes, right? Don't we do that, Brother Murphy? You ever know somebody do that? Oh, but God said, and just take it all out of context, and now we're justified in thinking and doing the way we think. You remember the stinking thinking I always talk about. Get away from the stinking thinking, stick with the book. Follow what the book has to say. So he just had this stubborn disobedience. You see, sin, if it's not repented, it will continue to grow. And Saul didn't repent, and now he enters into phase two of his self-destruction. He had it all, he had God on his side, and now he don't. Look in chapter 15 and verse 1. I'm going to read you a little bit more. And Samuel also said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you king over, over his people, over Israel. Now therefore heed the voice of the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for, he did, for, the, for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both man and woman and infant and nursing child and ox and sheep and camel and donkey, 
Wipe them out. But what did Saul do? Verse 13. Then Samuel went to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. He just patting himself on the back. Look what I did. <laughs> you got to pat yourself on the back of what you've done for God. You ain't done nothing for God. You just got what your reward was. Hey, look at me. I am all this. I am all religious. Look what I did. And that's what his problem was. And it also started off by him being religious, taking matters into his own hands, getting ahead of God, and now entering into phase two. Self-righteousness. Look at me. Look what I did. And we're flowing good with the Spirit today. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm so good. Oh, just look at me how much I am to God. You know, this planet ain't going to function without me. This church can't function without me. Let me tell you something. It was here before you got here. It'll be here long after you're gone if God chooses to do so. And it might be some weird-looking people with spiked purple hair that get saved and turn out to be okay. You understand what I'm talking about? Get off your high. What, what we got up there? Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. So that's where he's at. But Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of the sheep in my ears and lowing of the oxen which I hear? And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet. Want me to put it in this day and age's terms? Shut up. Boy, no, we don't like that one, do we? Oh, that just gets our eye up. Somebody looks at us and says, shut up. Well, that really hurts when you're self-righteous. Mm. Be quiet. And I will show you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, speak on, I want to hear so Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel and did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? When you weren't all puffed up and mighty who you think you are, all the stuff you got everywhere you're at, didn't the Lord put you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? You see, back up here, he said the people did it. Samuel's correcting him and said, no, you did it. You're the leader. Why did you allow it to happen? You knew what was going on. Why did you allow that to happen? That's what he's saying here. But I want to show you what Saul did. This is what a self-righteous guy does. This is the second phase, remember, of self-destruction. And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed. Have we ever had that conversation? But the Bible said, no you didn't. It's the whole counsel of God. But I have obeyed. See, he won't even repent. He can't even see that he missed the mark. You see, that's what happens. And that's a foolish life. 
The voice of the Lord. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and gone on the mission which the Lord sent me and brought back Agag, king of Amalek. He brought him back. He's supposed to kill him. I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites, but the people took the plunder. See, he's blaming them. They're the problem. Self-righteousness always finds the problems in everybody else. I didn't do nothing wrong. That's where he's at. And by the way, folks, he's only in the second phase of his destruction. There's more to come. The people took the plunder and the sheep and the oxen, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed and sacrificed to the Lord God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as to obey in the voice of the Lord? Would he rather have you to sacrifice an animal to him or would he rather have you obey him? Folks, you can come and sit in church tonight and we can stay till midnight and we can stay today till five and take a supper break and come back and stay all day long and we can do that the rest of the week. By the way, we can have that big revival we was talking about. But until we get on board with the Lord, it doesn't mean anything. You understand? Doesn't mean a thing. It means absolutely nothing. And we continue to pat ourselves on the back, how religious we are, how we do this and that and everything else. And God said, you know what, I don't want your sacrifice, I want your obedience. Your obedience is what I require. Okay. So Samuel said, has the Lord a great offering? Okay, I didn't read that. Behold, to obey better is to sacrifice and to heed the fat of the rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Do you understand that? Do we like witches? then why do we rebel? Because we just like it. That's what the Bible is telling us. If we rebel against God, it is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as the iniquity of idolatry. Stubbornness is because I, I'm, I, I'm the idol. I'm the one I'm worshiping. I, 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 I want. This is what I want. This is what I see. And I ain't doing it. That's stubbornness. And it's sin. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord. Now, folks, I'm giving you a word. I've been giving you a word for eight years. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you. Now, does that sober any of us? It scares me. He has rejected. It, it scares me as a pastor. Do you not realize I get a million and one suggestions on how to be a pastor from people who don't do it? Did you get that? Or is it just me? Oh, it's just been going on for a bit. Fifty-some years at least. I bet it's been going on since Adam and Eve was around. <laughs> I'm going to repeat what you just said. If you don't have kids, you can tell somebody else how to raise them. Barney. <laughs> Barney did that to Andy. Everybody knows how everything's supposed to be done, but a leader and a follower of God, he ain't going to be stubborn about it, but he is going to say, I'm going to wait and see what God has to say. You understand? I've been accused a whole lot of being too slow to act. Brothers and sisters, that's okay. I'm going to be talking to God about it. When he tells me to act, I'm going to act. 
He's the one called me to be pastor. And I'm going to seek him because you know what? I want our church to be this light that shines to the world. Not so that we can pat ourselves on the back, but so that we can make a difference in lives. I'm talking about the people that's got needles hanging out of their arms this morning. I'm talking about the people that says, yeah, i got to go have an abortion soon. Do you not know that they can be saved? Uh, that's a good place for an amen because if we don't believe that, we are, have gotten over on this track and Jesus ain't over there. Because he can take that life and turn it around. We're all a living testament to that. He can take that life and turn it around, and we have to believe in that. We have to trust in that. We have to hold dearly to that. But you rejected the word of the Lord, and he has rejected you from being king. You see, God will never accept any excuse that we have of any kind for disobedience. My babies were hungry. That doesn't mean you can go rob the grocery store. If you come to church and get with the people here, somebody will probably feed you. You might have to get off of your humble heart and say, hey, can you give me a sandwich because I'm hungry? There's nothing wrong with that. And we certainly can't look at the guy over here and say, well, he should know that I'm hungry. He's a man of God. Why ain't he feeding me? When do you get to play God? Huh? You see, this is what Samuel's downfall was. I'm almost done, y'all, I promise. See, we can't, we can't, there's no excuses for disobedience. None. Phase three of his downfall, his continued fall. In Acts 5 and 32, it says, And we are witnesses to these things, and, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. You see, to have the Holy Ghost, we got to be in obedience to God in all areas. Not just the ones we pick and like, not the ones we cherry pick. In all areas, we have to be in obedience to God, and that's where the Holy Ghost comes in. We want Him to guide us, then the obedience is necessary. In 1 Samuel 16 and 14, But the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a distressing spirit from the Lord touched him. You see, he started out by just kind of, I didn't do exactly what God said. And then he got down to blaming others. He just kept spiraling on down and on down. And then the spirit of the Lord left him. And a distressing spirit troubled him. You know what that tells me? Don't go walking around and telling me about how bad the devil's on you because he don't have any control except what God gives him. Says it with a distressing spirit from the Lord, an evil spirit from the Lord. It's the only way I can match that up. Maybe y'all got a better idea. I don't know. You remember, you remember Job, right? He didn't get he didn't get to touch Job until God says, "Yeah, this is what you can do, and here's what you can't do." You're dealing with something in your life, it ain't always the devil. It's sometimes God saying, "Hey, wake up! You're over on this track, and I'm not riding over there. I'm not walking with you. Come back over here where I'm at." And sometimes we have to go back and allow that to happen. Willful stubbornness, disobedience. It will give place to the devil in your life. Friend, I'm warning you today, 
if that's sitting in your heart, the devil will come in and God won't stop him. Did you hear what I just said? He will come in. Don't think you got it all under control. He will come in and God won't stop him. Mm. Because he didn't right here. You see the progression that's happened with Saul? He's running ahead of God. Then he's disobeying God. And now he's just opposing God. He's trying to kill God's anointed David. Do you hear what it said? He's trying to kill God's anointed David. You're a follower of Jesus, right? You love him with all your heart. That's, my finger ain't that crooked. I'm pointing to you, Danny. You're all by yourself. You're a follower of Jesus, ain't you? You know, if you two fight against each other, who are you fighting against? God's anointed. You're fighting against God's anointed, the ones that he's called. That's the next level. You see where he got to? Do you see what happened to him? He's after David. And folks, whenever you're fighting against God's anointed, you're fighting against God. But by that time, you've gotten so far down, you can't see it, can't nobody tell you. Anger flies out. I'll just go find another church to sit in. And then what happens? Because they walked in here before. They tell me everything the last pastor wasn't. I ain't touching it. Because I don't know the whole story. I'll tell you what the Bible says. Forgive. And it might mean walking back over there and telling that guy, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? See, this is progression, and it happened with Saul in his life. And it can happen to you and me. We need to keep that in us. The next, next phase, phase four, in 1 Samuel 28 and 7. And then Saul said to his servants, find me a woman who is a medium. <clears throat> Do we know who that is? We know what that is? She was just the medium of Endor. She was a witch. She wrote in the paper every day the horoscope. Stars are aligned, so you know what? You need to play these numbers so you can be rich. If they're so right, how come we got so many poor people in the world? Why do we go over by the hospital and we, and we see this little place where you can have tarot cards read and these mediums that will sit and talk to you and read your palm? Why in the world do they even need to be in business? If they got it all going on, why don't they just have all the money in the world that they want and go live on an island somewhere? Hey, can you explain that to me? We don't want to talk to God about it. We need to go talk to someone else about it. Well, they're a medium. And they rattle whenever they talk. And tables rise. And all this junk goes on. And we go to these. And that's exactly what Saul did. And he said, I'm going to inquire of her. And his servant said, well, in fact, there's a woman who is a medium and indoor. You see, he went from being God's anointed king and hearing from heaven to getting into cahoots with the devil. Do you understand this progression can happen? And we were right to be praying and fasting for those things that we stuck to the cross because they have to be overcome. We need to be warned and we need to know about them. But we're going to talk about the last phase and I'm almost finished. Please hang in there. In verse uh, 30, chapter 31 of verse 3, 
This is the end of Saul's life right here. And the battle became fierce against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was severely wounded by the archers. And then Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and thrust me through with it, lest these uncircumcised men come and thrust me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer would not. He loved him. I'm not going to kill you. For he was greatly afraid. And therefore Saul took his sword and fell on it. Do you understand what happens when you do something simple out of the will of God and it will progress? And it's not pretty. You see, he saw had it all and his stubborn disobedience had spiraled down until he lost it all. You see, circumstances, folks, don't make you. And by the way, circumstances don't break you. Hang on to that. Are you complaining about your circumstances? If only I had the ability, if only I had the right size, if I had the right background, if I had enough charm, I would succeed. Can I let you in on a secret? If you just obey God, you will succeed. You will succeed if you obey God. I don't see this is going to be able to happen. I don't see how God's going to work this out. Obey God, and it will succeed. It's that simple. It's that simple. There can be no success in our life without obedience, and disobedience is just like witchcraft. Sin will not have mercy on you, so don't have mercy on it. You can't obey God if you're self-willed rather than spirit-filled. So those things you put on the cross, you're right to pray for them. And we want to pray. And I've been praying about it. I haven't given them up. They're still on my desk, and I still lift them up before God. I don't know who wrote them. I don't care. All I know is somebody on that day back in December says, I need help with this. I don't know who it is. Don't know who they are but I know the one who can make the difference. And we're right to do that because it says, Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed unless he falls. Amen? Stand to your feet this morning. You know, Jason Crabb sings the song. And I, in my opinion, it's the best one he ever made. You got your opinion, we ain't going to fall out over it, I hope, because if we do, there's not enough Jesus in us. He never promised that the cross would not get heavy. But he did promise that help would always come, and it'd be on time. You know that? Help will be on time. Do you know that? Help will be on time. Jesus didn't show up for Lazarus' death, did he? And these people that walked with him was mad with him because he didn't get there in time. Jesus wept, folks, not because Lazarus was dead. He wept because they didn't believe in who he was. They said they did. They thought they did. They didn't realize he can come and get him out of that grave. That's why Jesus was weeping. Because they didn't see. Don't let these things take you down a bad path. Look up because your redemption draweth nigh.
Our God's on the throne. He always has been. He always will be. There ain't nothing you ain't facing that he can't fix. He's got the answers. They're in the book. And by the way, you're surrounded by a bunch of people that love you. We're not going to cast stones. If we do, then we do the correcting part. And the correcting part says we're going to bring truth. And that truth will set you free if you'll let that truth come in. That truth will set you free. We're not going to attack people. Oh, we're Brother Ken. Some of them need it. Some of them need Jesus. And that's the only answer. We take them to the truth.